I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com's our main website, ClarkDeals.com. That's where you go to get all the great deals, all the bargains, up to the minute. Coming up later, deal or no deal, annuities. Well, if you've listened to me before, you kind of have an idea what I'm going to say about annuities, right? I want to talk right now about something that is going to become commonplace in the next year, and that is where you are able to board a cruise ship or board a train or board an airplane based on biometrics. And I have already experienced this with Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines. When I went on a cruise with my son, you download a picture of yourself before you go to the port on the app, you check in on the app, and then you get to a desk and they scan you. And so you just look at this scanner and you're in. And now airlines are looking at this as an enormous labor-saving device. I watch people board a flight in Europe that used these uh, optical scanner devices, and you went through these gates that opened once they had recognized that you were the right person, and they let you through and you were on your way. And this idea is something that Delta Airlines is already doing, not testing, in a couple of locations. And so you are going to see over the next, uh, really, I think over the next year, you're going to see this become widespread. Instead of having to flash a boarding pass, um, I use the Clear service, if you're familiar with Clear, which is a biometric service that reads either your fingerprints, has trouble reading my fingerprints, but reads my eyeballs, and then lets me in to the security belt. I don't have to pull out my driver's license or anything like that. I'm already pre-screened in the system, and in that case, I actually do have to scan my boarding pass, but that's it, and then I'm on my way. It is a much quicker way normally to get through security, and this idea of having an electronic record of our eyes or our fingerprints or whatever, the question comes, what happens with that stuff after we boarded our plane, after we're on the cruise ship, or after our trip has ended? And that's the area that's a big unknown, and that information floating out there makes me very uncomfortable. I hope that the rules, and may require laws and regulations, are very clear that that information is only there for that one event, for that one purpose. Edgar's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Edgar. Hey, how you doing? Great, thank you, Edgar. You've got a question for me that is near and dear to my wallet. (laughs) Yes, my uh, son turned 16 years old, and he's going to be driving in the next month. And our insurance company went from basically $900 a year, or 970 to almost $4,000 a year. Yeah, this is the story I'm hearing repeatedly is that one teen driver raises premiums three to $4,000 a year. 
So I was just going to ask if you had any insurance carriers that you would recommend that maybe I do some research on. All right. I'm going to freak you out. Okay. So the answer that more than four out of ten parents of teens are making now is their teen is not getting a driver's permit. They're staying with the learner's permit and not getting a full driver's permit. Oh. Because for several thousand dollars a year, the amount of driving that a teenager typically does, you can have a kid, if you live in any kind of metro area at all, you can have a kid use Uber or Lyft and spend a lot less than that for when they need to go somewhere by themselves. I see. Because well, the insurance... In the country. So you live in the country? Yeah, so there's really no Uber or Lyft. Right, right. And does he, by necessity, need to be doing driving? Not really, but I'm wanting him to go to work, you know, so if he gets a job, that might be a problem getting him to and from work. I'm going to mention a second answer that people do, but I'm reluctant to say this because they can be dangerous being on the road, but getting a low CC motorcycle or what would be a high CC scooter, 150 CCs, where he could ride that, you eliminate the massive insurance expense. Wow, okay. But, I mean, you know, this is something for so many parents... The premium increase of three to four thousand dollars a year is something that your budget just can't handle. I mean, think about it. Your son would have to work and net after tax over three thousand dollars just for your family to break even financially. Yeah, I know. And this is a really heartbreaker. And you know, um, we're we're actually you know talking last night about getting rid of the cable TV and getting rid of. You know, uh, just doing everything that we can to cut, you know, money here and there so that we could afford to do this for him. But because, uh, you know, with uh, sports and, you know, if he starts working a job, you know, it's almost impossible for us to take him where he needs to go. But, um, boy, to tell you what, this is, a, this is like a, a stick in the back or something, you know? It, well, that's exactly what it is. And the insurers, as awful as it is, they're not – being evil with this the risk level of young drivers is so high i don't even know if the three to four thousand dollars more per year covers the enhanced risk Mm. so we as parents are between a rock and a hard place here and that's why so many parents are saying you know you're going to have to wait a while to get that license you're in a more difficult spot being in a rural area and you can shop around with insurers, and you may find somebody who's, let's say, two thousand more a year than the three thousand you're looking at, or four thousand, four thousand, whatever. Yeah, you are net more than three thousand. It's tough, and maybe somebody who works in auto insurance, an agent or whatever, will call in with some suggestions for ways that parents of teens can handle this short of having a kid not get a license. Rick is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Rick. Hey, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Rick. How can I serve you? Well, last week uh, I got a MasterCard from a big home improvement store, even though I have a credit freeze with all three of the agencies. 
and this one had a $10 reward on it already. However, if I use it, after one year, there'll be a charge of $3.95 a month to this card. And it just didn't sound right to me, so I really don't plan on using it. My regular credit card from this Home Improvement Center has, has my nickname on it. And this one had my legal first name. All right, so Rick, let me tell you what's going on here. So if you already had an existing line of credit with the retailer, right? even with your credit frozen, the way the law is interpreted, a retailer can modify the credit you have and issue you a new one. As an example, a lot of retailers have gone from store-only cards to ones that have Visa or MasterCard logos on them. Uh-huh. And they're able, even without asking you, they just send you the card. Did the card they send you have now a Visa or MasterCard logo? It had a MasterCard logo. Okay, so they are legally allowed to do that. And even though the original line of credit you set up with them had your nickname, when they went to convert you to the MasterCard, they would have run, and they would have legally been able to, even with your credit freeze, they would have run a credit check and seen, oh, that's not actually Rick's real name. We're going to issue the new card with his real name. I see. So that's how it happened. Almost, I'm almost 100% certain. Okay, but... Could I go ahead and use the ten dollars and then cancel it, or you can, you can, but I'd want you to wait till you said it'll be four dollars next year. Is that per month or per year? It says uh, per month. Oh man! So use the ten dollars and then later cancel the card. As long as you have others, how many other major cards do you have? Well, I've only got two that I use, and this is not obviously not one of them. Right. Okay. So you'd be all right. If you were to go ahead and grab your $10 credit, and then at some point before the huge, that's a huge monthly fee, would go into effect, you could cancel the card unless the terms and conditions say somewhere that you must leave the account open for a certain number of days. Check that, because you don't want to use the 10 and then later have them come back and bill you for that. Debbie's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Debbie. Hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely, Debbie. What's going on? My husband and I are both 63 years old, and we both have 401ks. And uh, we keep receiving mailings from, like, elder law firms saying they can protect our 401k from high taxes and how to protect other assets. Now, I was just wondering if it was better to seek their advice or go to a financial advisor about our 401ks. Okay, so first of all, usually what elder law attorneys are approaching you about is about protecting your assets in the event one or the other of you needed assisted living. Okay. And there are these strategies that elder law attorneys use that cordon off your assets in a way that they are protected if you don't have long-term care insurance. And what can happen in the worst cases is in a couple one of you will need long-term care and you have to spend down your assets for the care of, of one of you and then the other ends up basically destitute with maybe right. many years in front of them 
Okay. Now, I know they talked about also like making a Medicaid irrevocable trust. That's exactly what I'm talking about here. Okay. So well, that's right. this is all strategizing so that you have, depending on whose stats you believe, somewhere between 50 and 70% of people who hit their 60s like you are, Debbie, will one or the other and a couple may need time in assisted living, nursing home, or in-home care. And, right. you know, the numbers can be pretty imposing, pretty frightening, and you see what that care costs. So that's why this has become a big business for these elder law attorneys to take your assets, retitle them in a way that you will still have the benefits from them, but you'll maintain the eligibility for Medicaid to pay for long-term care. Okay. So would it be better to go to a financial advisor to see how to optimize our 401k through our retirement years? Well, those are two very different things. Okay. And with a financial advisor, I have a strong bias that I only want you to talk to somebody who you're paying a fee to for his or her advice. Right. And that they have no hidden agenda where they're trying to get you to turn your assets over to them Okay. to manage for you. As far as 401ks, Often, in retirement, you want to leave your 401k as it is instead of pulling the money out to put in an alternative account, because most 401ks will have lower expenses than you can get individually on your own. Okay. All right. Now, is it too late for us to get long-term care insurance? Depends on... You're actually at the key window I like, which is late 50s to early 60s. Mm-hmm. But the answer would depend on you and your husband's health. Uh, we're both fairly healthy. Um, no on, no conditions that people would say, ooh, you're, you're not somebody we want to insure? No, no. I mean, we have life insurance, and we're insurable that way. But um, If you're insurable for life insurance, you're almost with certainty insurable for long-term care. And yes, I would prefer that. There's a lot of controversy about the tactics that the elder law attorneys do. Mm -hmm. And it's your choice whether you want to do something like that. But yeah, if you're in a position that you can handle the premiums, great to get quotes for long-term care. Okay. All right. And then um, the last step is like if we can't afford that, then you might go to the elder law to see about protecting assets. Yeah, and the things they're going to do, they're not going to be cheap. Oh, I know. <laughs> be prepared yeah. for that. But I have a, a miniature guide on buying long-term care insurance at Clark.com. LaShonda's with us on the Clark Howard Show. How you doing? I'm doing great, Clark. How are you? Wonderful, thank you. You have a special warning for your fellow listener, don't you? Yes, I do, Clark. First, let me say I want to thank you and your team. You guys do amazing work. You give everybody great information to help make our lives safer and save us money. So thank you so much. Well, you're very sweet to say that. Thank you. Yes, but last week I got an email from one of the major credit card companies, and basically what it was telling me was that they had sent me a letter, and it was intercepted by possible fraud people, and so they wanted me 
to click this link and then provide, I know, right? Click this link. And I was like, "Uh uh-uh, I already know. I listened to Clark way too much. So I immediately, I was going to delete it, but I decided to hold on to it and pass the information on to your team. And I just wanted to be sure we can get that word out to as many people as possible. Yeah, these are known as pretexting emails. And they are like a plague right now where they get an email from their bank or whoever and it says, you know, your information may have been compromised, blah, 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 click here. And what you end up doing when you click there is either A, you're loading a virus on your computer or B, you're giving up personal information or C, you're doing both. And I appreciate so much you sharing this warning. I'm so glad to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can avoid ripoffs, save more and spend less, right? So the goal, save more money, right? Spend less money doing it. Avoid ripoffs. All three of those are required with investing because there are so many snakes in the grass. But there's no snake more venomous to your financial security than annuities annuities is a family-oriented show and annuities that's a cuss word on our show because these things are a disaster and i need to tell you that when i take a call about annuities on the show it pretty much always starts off with someone who says i know you've said you hate these annuities but What if the annuity guaranteed you the gains of the stock market without ever having the risk of losing money? And so I know that the person is channeling word for word what was said by an insurance salesperson or what was in a colorful brochure given to them by the insurance salesperson. But the reality is the insurance industry, which is selling annuities like crazy again now that they don't have to fear the fiduciary rule, doing what's best for the consumer, that annuities have roared back. And the ones that stink it up big time are what are known as variable annuities and indexed annuities, and then their cousin, deferred index annuities. But really, I should just keep it simple variable annuities, and indexed annuities because these things are trash. They are garbage. They are junk. They are hideous. And the tax treatment they get is mediocre, even though the salespeople will push them that way. And the performance for you is ridiculously rotten. And then you add on top of it that if you buy a variable annuity or an indexed annuity, a version of an indexed annuity, you are the prisoner of the insurance company for years and years and years. And if you realize you're getting ripped off, you have to pay a huge exit fee known as a surrender charge. These things are refuse. They have no redeeming value or qualities to them. They have massive, massive fees involved, humongous commissions. And the reality is 
where you're trying to buy peace of mind, all you did was pay to be in prison. So remember this. A lot of times, insurance salespeople, knowing annuity now has become a known dirty word to so many people, don't even use that word. They'll call them like an income security product or a guaranteed investment product. Anything other than using the real word that says they're refuse, annuity. Now, I do want to say there are two kinds of annuities that are actually good for you to consider at certain stages of your life, but will never be brought to your attention by a salesman because they don't really earn any commissions on them. And one is an immediate payout annuity that takes money you have and turns it basically into a version of a pension. And the other is a longevity annuity that doesn't pay anything unless you live to age 85. And it means you'll never outlive your money if you're blessed with really long life. Other than that, you want to stay so far away from annuities, you need to be like in the next state from that salesperson. Chris is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Tell me how I can serve you. Yeah, so earlier this year, my wife and I had, you know, we just, just purchased a home. Used, I cut my savings in half and used it as a down payment on the house. Then we had a huge catastrophe happen, and that burned out the other half of my savings. So just Is everybody okay? Oh, yeah, yeah, everything's fine. Okay. Appreciate you checking. So, anyways, my wife and I have been gradually building up our savings. It's not much. Um, just easy numbers. It took a $40,000 loss. Oh, man. And so, yeah. So, we're, we're building that back up. So, now. wait, wait, wait. I want to I wanna look at the positive here. You, before you bought the home, had $80,000 in savings? Yeah. You know that's outstanding. Yeah, but unfortunately, it got taken down to four hundred. That Let me tell you something. When you have the kind of attitude about money where you had built up a reserve of that size, it means that I worry not at all about you and your wife with how you handle money over the intermediate term or the long term. It's all just details we're going to talk about. All righty. Because most people, you know, live on fumes. They can't handle, you know, surveys show that most Americans could not handle a $400 unexpected expense. You were able to handle 80000 So you you got a lot to be proud of, and whatever path you take from now, you're going to be fine because you're of a mentality, you and your wife, that you live on less than what you make. We do, yeah. I appreciate that, Clark. So the, the strategy you're trying to noodle is what? Tell me where you are with this so, as you so rebuild. I owe just over... We, we bought, purchased a vehicle, five-year loan, we're two and a half years in, almost paid off on it. Now, because my savings is tight, I'll have just under 5000 there right now, working our way back up, like I said. Now, I'm just looking for the wisest decision. We overpay our car payment more than double. We're paying 450 a month on a 200 and some dollar car payment. What now, interest rate does that car loan carry? Oh, 2.9. Okay. Now, it's... Now, if I break it down, I'm only paying about $260, $272.60 interest per payment now because it's on the tail end of the loan. So I'm, I'm wondering, is it better if I just 
continue making payments till it's paid off through attrition or yes yeah don't pay any extra don't pay any extra on the car loan even though you don't earn a lot on your savings if you pay off your car loan and you don't have sufficient savings you can't just go treat your car like an atm Correct. So the last thing I'm going to do is get a title loan. That's not going to happen. Right, right. You're not doing that because that's several hundred percent. So, yeah. So just pay the car off the rest of the way as agreed. Okay. And you'll pay it out the vehicle out really early, simply because you've been prepaying so much. So you would recommend dropping down to the minimum payment and then just doing it that way, or would I? Yes, just just pay payment? what pay whatever you would need to to meet the requirements on paying on the car loan, whatever that, you said 200 and something a month is the... Yeah, about 212. Yeah, we've been paying 450 for the last so, two years. So pay 212, and then you're going to have more money to build up your depleted savings. Okay. Nice. I was just trying to get the wisest opinion on that one. Yeah, and, and there's okay. not necessarily a an answer right that's 100% true in this case, but I'd say yeah. 95% pay the car loan is agreed and beef up the savings quicker. But, yeah, that was actually not an option I considered even, so thank you. Sure. Well, best to both of you. And, again, I'm sorry you're overcoming a personal catastrophe, but it sounds like for you, you're going to move well past it easily. Absolutely. Thank you, Clark. Sure. Kat is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Kat. Hello. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Great, thank you. So you have a son who wants to get into speculation. What does he want to speculate on? Uh, well, he's 20 years old, and uh, he wants to start investing $50 for each paycheck in gold, and he thinks it's better than a 401k or a Roth IRA. And we wanted to find out if there were some reputable companies where he can buy gold by weight. So uh, gold is not an investment, mm-hmm. and it's important okay. that your 20-year-old son understand that, cat. Gold is a hedge. Gold is used to own the risk that the world falls apart. Gold only does well when there's great uncertainty in the world or turmoil in the world. Mm -hmm. Gold doesn't create anything. I mean, you think about the companies that create wealth. They're actually making things. They're actually inventing things or serving people. And that's why they make Mm -hmm. money. Gold doesn't add anything to the benefit of humanity but it is a great way to have a safe zone when everything in the world goes in the toilet Mm -hmm. so he should look at it as only a small part of what he'd do to build his future etfs exchange traded funds that's the right way to buy gold okay how do you do that so it's really easy. I have a gold buying guide on Clark.com okay. that you can direct your son to, and it'll walk him through the right way to buy gold. And holding physical gold is a big mistake because mm-hmm. you have to store it. You have to worry about theft. When mm-hmm. you buy it, you have to pay what's known as a buy-sell spread. When you sell it, you have to pay another buy-sell spread. So mm. it, it ends up being costly and potentially risky to own the actual physical gold. When you own one of these funds, they store the gold that you have in a vault for you. They handle all the record keeping, and it's really inexpensive for them to do it. It's inexpensive Mm -hmm. for him to buy 
gold that way and very inexpensive for him to sell it. And he doesn't have to worry at the time he'd want to sell gold how he's going to do it. And it works perfectly in a situation like you mentioned where he wants to buy little amounts of it repeatedly. Sounds good. But I'd really like him to think about doing that as part of a larger strategy. I love that he's going to live on less than what he makes and he's going to be saving money and investing for the future. But remember, gold is not an investment. And in addition to owning some, I'd like him to look at the information I have on how to build up a simple, low-cost investment portfolio. And is he working? Not yet. Okay. So when he starts working, I want him to look at doing a Roth IRA as part of what he does to build financial security. And I'm glad he's interested in how to put money aside. But gold, that's not where it's at. Philip is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Philip. Hey, Clark. How you doing? Great. Thank you, Philip. You would like to be out of debt extra quick. <laughs> yes, definitely. I'm familiar with some of the other techniques of, for paying off your mortgage quicker, like making half payments or an extra payment a year. But when I was searching online, I saw something that was advertising being able to pay off your mortgage on a 15- or 30-year loan in five to seven years using a HELOC. And I didn't know if that was... That does not compute. Oh, I've been looking forward to that. I, nobody's asked me about this me? in months. So you ready for what they have you do, Philip? I'm listening. All right. The idea is you take your fixed rate loan and you turn it into one that the rate floats every 30 days. So how they get you to pay off your loan so quickly is you have your paychecks go into an account that is like this floating rate HELOC, and so your mortgage balance keeps going down. But the whole idea is that you're all about paying off your mortgage but ignoring everything else in your life. Mm -hmm. And you're going to a floating rate instead of a fixed rate. What kind of fixed rate do you have? 4%. All right, so you don't want to give up that 4% to go in a floating rate HELOC. There's no magic to what they're promoting except in times of the opposite. Where the rates are going down. Right. So if you're in a high interest rate fixed rate and floating rates are on a downtrend, that's when the math of this might work. But in a time like now where there's... Uh, good money that people have long-term low rates you don't want to give up that to go into a rate that's going to be higher and more volatile than the fixed rate you have today there's not a person i can think of that would benefit from one of these merged accounts or whatever you want to call it where your checking account and your mortgage loan are wrapped up all in one. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance— 
Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Garrett is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Garrett, you have a credit union question for me. Yes, I do. I've spent the last several years uh, trying to rebuild my credit from some unfortunate experiences uh, about uh, 10 12 years ago, been trying to be very, 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 very careful. I am what I think you call a deadbeat, or what the uh, the credit card companies call a deadbeat, because I try to keep a zero balance on my cards. Good job. I, I actually I only have one. I went ahead and signed up for Credit Karma, as you suggested, and I had already put credit freezes on two of my credit reports. I put a credit freeze on the third one. And I was looking at the credit scores on Credit Karma, they look reasonably good. They're in the mid-700s. My credit union offers credit score information and credit monitoring information through a third-party company. Don't bother. Uh, it's one of the bigger... You don't need to do that at all. You've done everything right, and there's nothing further you need to do. Okay. Don't yeah, sign up for any question. of their third-party stuff. Leave it just like you've got it. You've got the Credit Karma, where you can continually monitor. You know, they offer credit monitoring as well as the scores that you have access to. And then you throw on top of that that you've got the credit freezes in place. You are perfect with what you've done. And Credit Karma will coach you over time what you need to do to raise your scores, although I don't know why. They're great already. Good for you. And... Kathleen, you have a question for me about protecting your social security number. Tell me about that. Yes. Hi, Clark. What a pleasure to speak with you. Well, great to have you here. Okay. I'm interested in getting a part-time job with a major pizza company as a pizza delivery person. And I go to their website to apply online, which is a requirement. And the application requires my social security number. And Oh, come fact, on. Come on. It, Online? It, yes, sir. It will not process the application. It will not take you to the next screen. Then, then I would say there are a lot of local pizzerias, a lot of Chinese restaurants, a lot of general restaurants that do delivery now that are locally owned, do not proceed on that application. You know, there's so much danger in an online application giving your social security number. I mean, you're only applying for the job, and you've got to hope that that that's a legit application site. I would not do that at all. Go somewhere else where you're face-to-face with someone. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.